This is the Best of the Adam Gold Show podcast, brought to you by Coach Pete at Capital Financial Advisory Group. Visit us at CapitalFinancialUSA.com. We're almost at the part of the season where Chip Patterson starts going to hockey games. Chip Patterson, my man, Cover 3 podcast moderator. How are you on National Signing Day? (laughs) We are committed. We are fully committed. (laughs) And look at that, he's wearing, a, he's wearing a Hurricanes uh, jacket. Yeah. yeah, I mean, look, I was in the building for the Kraken, for the big oh, return. Yeah, I mean, Dr. Dean threw out the invite, and I had to figure out a way to make it happen. I had to move <laughs> things around, but I had to get back in that building. Man, I mean, I was on the uh, the group chat with my friends. I said, uh, battle for first place in the Metro and it's Tripp's birthday. Yeah. Like, the vibes could not be better. <laughs> and then Piotr... just goes out there just delivers a freaking monster of a performance i mean it's it's just a lot of fun right now and and in my time i guess this is now in my fourth or fifth season i i guess i'm no longer truly bandwagon at this point right but i have at least reached that point in my journey where i've learned to appreciate the hot streaks because i know and they don't last forever they don't they don't and i the, the team's playing well the team's uh won six in a row and they have points in 12 straight and Kachetkov has been, I can't even, so much I, I, don't even I don't even know what to call it anymore. I mean, I know he's good. I don't know if, I mean, he's not this good. He's not the best goalie in the league, I don't think. But who knows what happens for the rest of this year. Right now, he's absolutely on fire. So, can Let, I throw my casual theory at you? Let's hear it. Okay. I think that there's something about the uh, exuberance and the joy mm. and the sort of like youthful energy that he brings to a group that has been together and is now kind of weathered that has reignited uh, the fire within that locker room. I like it. I like it. I'm going to draw, I'm going to make this into a college sports analogy. It's exactly the way college, I've been talking to so many people of late about the state of college sports today. It's too mm-hmm. professional. There's not enough love. There's not enough joy. Uh, I'm going to uh, throw up in my mouth. All right, let me uh, let me do this. I used to hate, hate the first Wednesday in February every year because that used to be National Signing Day. And it's not that I don't respect recruiting. I, I, college sports does not exist without recruiting, scouting, all of that. But now it comes two months earlier or a month and a half earlier. And I don't even like it. It snuck up on me. I'm not I'm just not a national signing day person, but I understand its value. So how many teams got exactly the class that they wanted so far this year? Chip Patterson. If you were to at <laughs> least take coach's word for it. Yes, that's what I'm doing. Yeah. I'd say about 131 teams yep. are very excited about the five-star hearts. That they've got coming in, <laughs> high quality character. He's a winner. The the winners, yeah, the, the future of the program. I, I'll tell you what. This National Signing Day in particular, and by the way, like if you are interested in this, uh, the twenty four our partners at twenty four seven Sports are the best in the business. Yes. They're doing nine a.m. to six p.m. on their YouTube channel with certain hours being in on CBS Sports HQ. This one o'clock hour being one of them. We've got some live announcements there. I definitely encourage you to go check that out. Mm-hmm. But twenty nine of the top thirty two players in this class were committed prior even to National Signing Day. Sure, the true surprises are are very very few right now. In fact, the number one story that we are following is a player 
named Cormani McLean who might not even sign today. Because remember, this is the early signing period, right. and it is not just today, but it might stretch out. For the most part, some of the best teams in the country are having boring days, and they're going to finish with some of the best classes in the country. There is like there is a, a, a player named Damon Wilson who Georgia is in the running for. If he gets on board, then that makes a really, really strong class even stronger. Alabama had a few players that Hugh Freeze and Auburn were trying to poach, mm-hmm. but you know they've been able to stay on board. They're sticking with the Crimson Tide. For the most part, it has been a, a drama-free process, and I think, listen, this is very much not reporting. This is very much me gleaning, but I think that the NIL aspect, which according to the NCAA, NIL cannot be a part of recruiting right. or inducements to high schoolers, mm-hmm. But if we're going to be honest about this, then we should. I think that the NIL aspect to player acquisition has taken some drama out of National Signing Day because you've got to get everything together and all the offers are on the table. Mm -hmm. The idea that there's going to be a late bag that's dropped, the idea that all of a sudden we finally pulled everything together to get that apartment for mom and dad in town, (laughs) all the old traditional ways that there would Mm -hmm. be these last-minute surprises among the best players in the country, I think with the collectives and with the packages that are being put together, it's just a little bit cleaner. So outside of Cormani McLean, um, you know, Mateo Uyunglele unfortunately wasn't healthy, but he commits to Oregon. Mm-hmm. There was some quarterback dominoes with Oregon and UCLA and Baylor. But outside of that, uh, not, not a whole lot of drama. And my, I, I believe that NIL might ha- play a role in that. Oh, I... <laughs> NIL has to play a role in everything. NIL plays a role in all the transfers. Um, But here's, I guess my overall point is I don't really see the difference between today and 10 years ago. Before NIL. Well, we have more because it's just, it's, you don't have to worry really about breaking the rules. Because it's easy, you can easily separate yourself from the collectives. You can easily separate yourself because the kids can get stuff now. It's it's legal for the kids to receive, you know, value for their name, image, and likeness, however we want to couch it. So it's easier to provide. You don't have to be clandestine about it. So I don't see I, it, I don't see it being all that different. I think that we have seen from the the preparation process, and again, I. I was texting Tom Fernelli. I said, I, I treat National Signing Day the same way I treated final exams in those classes where I skipped most of the semester. I just absolutely cram for two days, and then I forget everything the moment that I finished the exam. <laughs> right. And as I was cramming, I noticed that we have less of this, like, big superstar. They're announcing between Miami, Florida, uh-huh. and Florida State. The hats are on the table. I mean, do you remember when – they had players who would announce live, and I don't even think ESPN has a signing day show right now. I think they're just popping in for announcements sporadically. Right. They would have cameras in the war rooms of multiple staff. Sure, they treated it like the NFL draft. There was true uncertainty, even among the coaches, in wondering where these guys were going to commit and how it was going to go. And I just think that, you know, and then NIL might not be all of it, and that this just might be this particular cycle, but it really feels like the only drama is, oh, 
It, we, we know that this guy has been verbally committed since October. Uh, this school, this school, this school made a late run at him. Let's see whether or not it's a flip. Like, there is not a lot of these truly high-profile, I'm going to drag this out and make all of these coaches wait until the very end, again, outside of our friend Cormani McClain. Didn't Ohio State lose a quarterback recently? He's from the 24 cycle. Okay, so we'd, so maybe he'll get him back. Maybe, uh, you know, maybe Big Red Motors or something or the guy who uh, uh, who gave all the gold pants or bought the gold pants from uh, Terrell Pryor. Maybe he'll come up with some cash and uh, that kid will come back. I, I've been talking to so many people about their thoughts on uh, name, image, and likeness of late. And I, I keep I keep getting to the same point in that this that somehow the game is corrupted more now than it was then. Do you think the game is more corrupted now than it was then? I think that things are more reckless now, and I think that we are going to see some collectives fail. I think that we are going to see mismanagement. I think we are going to see poor investments, and I think that you know, depending on. Hey, it's Adam Golden. I'm in studio with my friend, Coach Pete DeRuta with the Capital Financial Advisory Group. Is it ever too soon to seek out you and your expertise? Really, there's no too soon. It's time to get serious. So if you're 50 or over, we call it the financial red zone. And that's when really it's time for you to take control of your money and, and make sure you have a firm on your side that's a fiduciary planning firm, which means they take your side at all times. Now, we'll do this for the next 10 of you who call. This is a $1,000 value, but I'm going to waive my planning fee to make sure you get your total retirement plan and you get on the right path for retirement. Call 888-843-0013, 888-843-0013, or text ADAM to 600-700. Adam Gold is a paid spokesman. Investment advisory services offered by Capital Financial Advisory Group, a North Carolina registered investment advisor. Your stance on these issues, of which I do not mm-hmm. always understand, I mean, it's a little bit of a let's let's let the market bear it out. Let's let's start to see the the ones that are organized, the ones that make good investments. They those are going to be the ones that are ultimately successful in helping their favorite program win. People are getting uh, turned off or upset by tons of money being thrown around, and I say let them throw around tons of money. Let them overspend on a player who's not going to be worth that. Because right. then they will learn their lesson when they do not have the money to spend elsewhere, when all of a sudden the player ends up not panning out or transfers away, and then all of a sudden you're left with having put all of your eggs in mm-hmm. one basket, and that basket has now been dropped off uh, in Tuscaloosa, Alabama. I'm sorry. <laughs> That's just the way these things work. Is- but I, I don't think it's more corrupt. I do think that the wild, wild west phrase that I think people use as like a scare tactic yeah. is somewhat true in that there are a lot of cowboys out here that are operating recklessly. And instead of me thinking that it needs to be contained, I say let them operate recklessly because I don't think it's ultimately going to change what matters to me. And what matters to me is what happens on Saturdays in the fall. And the programs that are well-organized, mm-hmm. be that whether they have well-organized collectives or not, the ones that have all their act together and are making smart investments – those are going to be the ones that win on Saturdays. I guess my, my general feel is that, first of all, the Wild Wild West is the knee-jerk, easy reaction to this. Um, it's new, right? Right. And I mean, it any, is a new frontier. Any time, well, I guess that is the Wild Wild West, the new frontier, right. um, where maybe we'll get a 51st state out of it. <laughs> uh, so because it's new and because we don't really know what's going to happen we can go back to any point in you know the evolution of college sports 
that we so we don't know how this is going to react. But I've always thought, and I've, I've said this a thousand times probably, that it'll settle. It'll figure itself out. We don't need guidelines. We don't need rules. We don't need salary caps, which I I can't even believe I'm listening to that. Where each team could only spend twenty. Like if you capped Auburn, well, I'm like your dirty little secret from the. T- I was I was coming back from my kids' Christmas program at school, and and you were talking about the salary cap and the Mets, and you said that you know where the most. Uh, competitive balance is is it's in baseball more teams uh, more teams won in baseball than the other leagues there's there there is it's it close is, but it's yeah college football is similar to baseball you know you you have very very different payrolls and <laughs> yes you do <laughs> you can you can win you know without spending a whole bunch of money and like more importantly spending a bunch of money does not guarantee winning hello jimbo fisher in texas a&m right i would actually argue that College football is more like the Premier League than it is so Major again, League Baseball. No salary cap. Right? No, exactly. No, no salary cap. And I, I say that we know going into each season in English football, we know who the best teams are going to be. They don't always have great years, right? Liverpool's year has not been great. Well, I, I, this is just a cheap way for me to get back to talking about Liverpool, Chip. Uh, but it's it's most like that. Maybe college football needs relegation. Um, but there, here's the solution to it. Pay the players. The schools are making so much money, and not all schools do, right? Even within the same conferences, the schools do not make... Now, in the SEC, even Vanderbilt's making so much money, they could probably afford to pay all of their football players, if not all of their athletes. Uh, but in a conference like the Big 12 or the ACC where the take per school is not nearly $100 because I think that's what it's going to be like in the SEC and the Big Ten, uh, then some of the schools, the Iowa States of the world, the uh, the Virginia Techs of the world, probably can't afford to pay all of their athletes. But the solution to all of the angst about a salary cap, we have to cap what these guys can earn, Like the solution is then, then stop whining about it and agree to pay the players. Because the sport's generating too much money. I don't think that's a solution, though. I, I like the idea. And the, my proposal, I think, as we've discussed before, is that the conferences get in the NIL business mm-hmm. because it is literally the images and the likeness of the players that lead to those media rights contracts. Right. Like, it is those athletes out there that the media companies are paying millions and millions and millions of dollars for that leads to these big checks and these big payouts. So, Give them a piece of that pie, and that'll okay. raise the Pay floor. them out of that. That's right. That's what I'm saying. That raises the floor. So every single athlete is going to get paid out of that pot, and then you know what's going to happen because there are always go- there are always going to be invested individuals mm-hmm. with more money than they know what to do with, who want to feel like an owner of a college football program. Yep. No matter if you pay the players a standardized salary, the very, very top players are always going to have the opportunity to make money on top of that. That is, there is no, there's no system that you can build that is going to prevent that because, okay, so you try and create a salary cap and we're paying the players. Well, here comes a marketing deal, mm-hmm. right? You know, I mean, it's, there, there are 
players who move the needle like that. And it, like, again, for the, the listeners and the viewers on uh, WRL sports plus and, and elsewhere, um, the player, most college football players are not making the money that might be assigned to their name on a database. Right. Through NIL. The very, very top players might be making more. Mm-hmm. We're only talking about like 12, yeah, no. 24, 30 guys. And it is much more of routine walk around the kind of money as if you had a second job because <laughs> guess what? College football is a job mm-hmm. for the 18 to 22 year olds who are involved for it. So I, I don't get panicky about it. The numbers are going through the roof for the very best players, but I, the people that I've talked to who have connections to collectives indicate that at least the, the ones I talked to are the smart ones. <laughs> and they say like, no, we're not, you know, players come to us and they're like, okay, so this is, I, I hear this is what I'm worth. So what you got? They say, no, no, <laughs> that's, that's not what our valuation is. Right. You know, feel, feel free to take that to the transfer portal. Feel free to see if you can go get that somewhere. But that's, you can make more money going to a program that can develop you to make sure you get to the NFL then you can hit in a quick lick on an NIL deal as a college athlete. So make your decisions based on if you are one of the rare few who has NFL talent, go somewhere where you can get to the NFL. All right. Devin Leary to Kentucky. Mm-hmm. Uh, is this a good spot for him? Mm, well, Will Levison have a great season at Kentucky Mm-mm. this year, but he's still going to go high in the NFL draft. So sure. <laughs> no, look, here's what's actually <laughs> exciting about this. So um, the name is, is Liam Cohen. Liam Cohen was with Sean McVay, Los Angeles Rams for three years. He comes to Kentucky for the 2021 season. And then he goes back to the Los Angeles Rams, not because things didn't go well at Kentucky. Actually, they were amazing in 2020. Kentucky is 14th in the sec. That's dead last in the sec in total offense. They are 13th next to dead last in scoring. Then Liam Cohen arrives, and in 2021, they jump up to top five in both of those categories. Liam Cohen goes back to the Rams. Guess where Kentucky is? 13th and 14th in total offense and scoring. (laughs) So uh, Kentucky head coach Mark Stoops, he fires the offensive coordinator who he had to replace Liam Cohen. And multiple reports on both the college side and the NFL side indicate that Liam Cohen is going back to Kentucky. Was he a yo-yo? As of, well, I mean, this season for the Rams hasn't been awesome. I know, but I mean, just injuries and just the, like the normal Super Bowl, when you play a lot of football, I get it. It's fine. So the, as of the media availability heading into the Packers game, um, you know, the, the word from Liam Cohen was, uh, and nothing's done yet. That's a conversation Kentucky and I will have at the end of the year. Sean McVay is out here is like, if that does happen, I will totally support him and be very happy for him. So so it's going to happen. Yeah, thank you. So we're trying not to be disrespectful to the Rams whose right. season is already, you know, womp. Um, but Liam Cohen is a very good offensive coordinator who's done very good things for quarterbacks. So that is okay. the most important thing to me about Devin Leary is that he's not just going to Kentucky, but he's going to Kentucky to link up with an offensive coordinator with a lot of NFL experience and success. I mean, Kentucky has only had three top 25 finishes in the final AP poll since 1990, and Liam Cohen was the mm. offensive coordinator for one of those, one of just two 10-win seasons under Mark Stoops. 
all of that is why they're very, very excited. Devin Leary was the number one quarterback available in the transfer portal, and Kentucky got him. I think Liam Cohen's a big part of it. If Devin Leary has a full season of health, starts every single game in a season, again, something that's only happened just once, Mm -hmm. he is going to be a high NFL draft pick after his last year with Kentucky. All right. Now, Deion Sanders and the University of Colorado. What is the impact, do you think, what has that impact been on recruiting? Um, is there is there like a conveyor belt? Are we like Lucy and Ethel uh, in the candy factory that they're coming in and out so fast that we can't really keep track? Not quite like that because for the first signing class, it's going to be a little bit slower. It's going to be players that for the most part are not the – are not going to be the instant impact stars. But Oregon and Mm -hmm. Utah and some of these Pac-12 schools that had players that were maybe the fifth or sixth best player in their class, they're losing. You know, not a lot of them, but he is putting a dent in his Pac-12 rivals in being able to pick off valuable members of their recruiting class and flip them to Colorado right away. When it comes to the um, transfer portal, we'll see. Um, buzz right now is that Travis Hunter, the superstar wide receiver, mm-hmm. cornerback, all everything athlete who remember he flipped from Florida state right. to Jackson state on this very national signing day last year. Kind of think he might go to Georgia, but then <laughs> again, we're also hearing that Cormani McLean, the top 10 player who I was telling you about, who said he won't sign today, that he has been in touch with Dion. So that could be the big, Shake up signing day story. Miami, after stealing him away from Florida, then loses him to Dion. What I have heard from recruiting insiders is that, and this is so unique because most, none of the high school athletes remember Dion Sanders, but the man has such charisma and can does such a job of making a connection that when Dion gets right. on the phone with these guys. He wins them over. He's also so I, honest. And look, you can say what we want about Dion. He's blunt, but he seems to be honest about what's up and what he's trying to do uh, and what he thinks they can do. Uh, they, my, the, the kids might not have might not know who Dion Sanders is. Their parents but, do. But exactly. Their parents do. Dad definitely knows who primetime is. So like, I don't. I remember we talked to Trey Oliver, head coach of Central, last week about the game. And I asked him a question about, uh, you know, matching wits with Dion. And, like, I know I am assigning this. We weren't on video, so I couldn't see him. But he paused, and it almost I could hear the eye roll about matching wits with Dion. I have no idea if Dion is a really good coach or not. Um, Jackson State was certainly a very good team. They had very good players. Um, and it took everything that Central had, including some plays they probably drew up during the week, uh, to figure figure a way out of that one. But um, I don't know. Is is Dion based on you know what you've been able to discern? Is Dion a good coach? Yes, college football does not require you to be a good X's and O's coach. Right. I mean, you do not need to be the master schemer. And in fact, mm-hmm. one of the most important things I think a head coach can do is delegate. 
And I, so Colorado has not officially announced these hires, but as I've been trying to get as much information as possible, my understanding is that he is going to bring about six or seven of the 10 on-field assistants from Jackson State with him, which to me does end up paying off like what he was talking about in the 60 Minutes interview when he was discussing the money that he wanted to pay his assistants, that he's not going to be able to pay his assistants at Jackson State. The fact that he's not leaving them all in Mississippi and then going to hire a new all-star cast, I like that on just sort of a personal mm-hmm. you know, program-building, team-building level. But he did have a hire that really impressed me, and it was taking a sitting head coach. From Kent State. I, yeah, guy's name was Sean Lewis. He's a, a very, very bright offensive mind. He is an X's and O's offensive mm-hmm. coach. And Sean Lewis left his position as head, sto- head coach of Kent State and he will be Dion's offensive coordinator. And that's where I was like, ah. Yeah. Head coaching to me is about communicating. Uh, and you let your assistants do the X's and O's. All right, I final think, thing. That's what I see there. Um, and this is this is just me. I, I've, I floated this a little bit last week. But I, the more I think about it, the more I think that this is the way it should be. Are you ready for the big game? At The Designery, we can help you arrange your kitchen in the perfect way to feed everyone coming over for the big game. I'm Dana Merrill, the owner of The Designery in North Raleigh. And I am True Merrill. The Designery grand opening, we're scheduled to open a 16th and do our grand opening party then. We're going to be catering some food. We're doing some giveaways. We have a VR headset, an Echo Show, some kitchen gadgets, and some fancy knives. 12 to 2 p.m. Please stop by our showroom, 3030 Wake Forest Road. That's The Designery at The designery.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It bothers me. We have 80, well, 41 bowl games, right? So Correct. more than half of Division One goes to bowls. And I keep hearing the complaints, too many bowl games, too many bowl games. I'll watch five bowl games of the 41. And I, that might include the ne- the semifinals and the championship game. But I think that we should have 70 bowl games. And I'm not kidding because all I hear about is the reward for a good season. Who are we rewarding? The players go to practice 40 hours a week. They watch film. They put their bodies on the line. If you go five and seven, why aren't you rewarded? What are, what are, what are we? We, protect, we? We selectively decide... When we should reward athletes, we selectively decide who's good, who's not. So they didn't have a good season in terms of wins and losses. That didn't mean that doesn't mean they didn't put as much effort into it as the other team. And couldn't those teams also benefit from the extra practices that you're allowed? I just don't understand why we why we stigmatize. Uh, I don't care what your record is. You finish the season. I say you go to a bowl game. Old participation trophies gold. I don't Chat. care. Oh, you can, people can miss me with that particip- participation trophy crap. God, uh, I, there's nothing worse than that. 
So there's a couple sizes. Number one, I don't, I don't think there's too many bowl games, but at the same time, I do like the idea of having a line in the sand for bowl eligibility. I like that as a motivating factor that creates interesting storylines, creates interesting, um, you know, stakes of competition, especially in an era where we continually are focused on the national championship, the national championship, the national championship we care about. of what we care about uh, in college football, which is much more regional and much more based around the community and the conference. So knowing that certain teams can be bowl eligible for the first time in a while, knowing uh, that a bowl streak can be kept alive, knowing that the winner of a certain game there in late November can reach bowl eligibility for the purposes of uh, a motivation, but creating real stakes throughout the entire college football slate. I like the idea of bowl eligibility. Also, just because you're bowl eligible doesn't mean that you're going to be selected for a bowl. Uh, I will point does your now. <laughs> well, this season it does. I mean, Rice got in with five and seven because right. they're nerds and they all had right. good grades. But I can point you to a lot of seasons from Miami of Ohio. I can mm-hmm. point you to seasons from Toledo. I can point you to seasons from a lot of MAC and Conference USA teams where they went six and six and they did not make it to a bowl game. So I, I just. I think that the it's it's nice to have the bowl games at the end of the year. And just did you get a chance to see the reaction of Marshall head coach Charles Huff when they finally had put the icing on the Myrtle Beach Bowl win? It was a Monday afternoon, 2.30 p.m. kick. But if you had seen the way that Charles Huff was celebrating with those Marshall players, you would have thought they won the conference championship. I think because, we get to that anyway, though. I think we have that emotion anyway. I think I just... I think there is something that happens in those 15 bowl practices with the really good coaches that find a way to make their program better. And I don't know, there's, it it doesn't always work out that way, but I think there's been enough good that's come out of bowl season that I kind of like the fact that it's special and that it is not something that everyone participates in. I mean, we could debate whether or not 41 bowl games out of 130 some odd Division one schools makes a bowl game special. I mean, I think the the same people that say you know uh, there's too many bowl games don't think two six and six teams going to a bowl is special. I mean, look, I it it just bothers me because the same effort is expended whether you're playing for a team that's four and eight versus you're playing for a team that's eight and four, and if the we get to a point in the season where this win makes you bowl eligible and it's a big deal. And I understand why it's a big deal. Then what happens after that when it's early November and you've won your sixth game and you know, you're not playing for a conference championship and you know, you're not playing for anything higher. Does that diminish the rest of the season? Well, we were bowl eligible. So well, I mean, if you, if, if you don't have a good hold on your locker room, maybe. I mean, so much of this to me is a reflection of a coaching staff and a reflection of the what you what you were able to communicate to your players in terms of why you want to go and compete. Uh, I had a coach, heard a coach talk uh, in the last week and a half about being able to drive that home as the message of one of these quote-unquote meaningless bowl games that, listen, if you are a, a real competitor at this level, 
then you should take honor and pride in the ability mm-hmm. to go and compete. We don't get a whole lot of these. And so let's go out there and, you know, let's stand up for ourselves. Let's stand up for our teammates and our program. And when I heard that coming from a coach and then that team went on to win, I was like, oh, well, there you go. I think coaching coaching matters. I think every player on every team should have the right to opt out of a bowl game. That's all you want. (laughs) Everybody. I don't care. Your team was 2-10. and You have the right to say, I'm not playing because I'm going to the NFL draft. You have the right to do that. College football, like beginnings, bowl games are exhibitions. Exhibitions are based on invitations. Mm -hmm. And you don't want to invite stinky teams to your bowl game. (laughs) But you invite who's left. Uh, you know, the, you're not going to invite the stinky teams to your bowl game. I mean, I'm trying to think of a really bad We're band. We're to put on an exhibition. We are boxing promoters, and we want to get the best possible fight for entertainment value. And if you stink, the fight's not going to go very long. <laughs> Chip Patterson, you're the best, man. I'll see you at a Hurricanes game soon. I look forward to it. Sounds good. Y'all be well. You got it. Chip Patterson, Cover 3 Podcast, here on the Adam Gold Show. I chose William Peace University because of the small class sizes. I feel that you get more one-on-one time with teachers. With class sizes like about 16 per teacher, you can really get that one-on-one help a lot of students need. A 12 to 1 student to faculty ratio is just one of the many reasons students choose William Peace University. Extra attention starts day one for career planning with their Career Services Center. Find out all they have to offer at peace.edu.